0: what is going on friends thank you for joining us for the new vision podcast we here at new vision believe that the gospel transforms lives so we're going to take an opportunity to open up god's word and see what he has to say so that we can take the best next step to become more like jesus hey it's another new vision podcast cloud with you here we're back in our podcast going through a book study through the book of first and second peter Loosely connected to the Accelerate sermon series where we're looking at worship, connect, serve, and go. These tenets of new vision, tenets of a New Testament church. What does it look like for God's people to organize and, and what we do as the body of Christ? And in doing so, we're looking at one of the books that one of the early church fathers, the apostle, along with others that are um, leaders in the early church. This would be Peter, and we're looking at, hey, let's look at one of the books that he wrote. So we're looking at First and Second Peter. I am reading again in chapter 2 of 1 Peter. So this is 1 Peter chapter 2. I'm reading verses 13 through 17. And this is the ESV Bible. Be subject for the Lord's sake to every human institution, whether it be the emperor as supreme or to governors as sent by him to punish those who do evil and to praise those who do good. For this is the will of God. That by doing so, you should put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. Live as people who are free, not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil, but living as servants of God. Honor everyone. Love the brotherhood. Fear God. Honor the emperor. And so, coming out of this, I'm like, uh, we all may have heard this before, and it's kind of like a coin phrase, like, "Yep, honor, honor, authority, submit to authority." Yeah, yeah. But uh, deep down in our hearts, depending on how elections go, how policies are passed, whatever it is, and whatever year it is, you know, we kind of, uh, like kind of uh, our hearts wish to skip over this verse and verses like it. Paul talks about this in Romans 13, and so. We see uh, something difficult, especially in, in our context, depending on who our, quote, guy is uh, in office, whatever it is. And so uh, in verse 13, we see that we have to honor. This is Peter talking, you know, God's word. We are commanded, we're, we're called as Christians, as God's people, to honor the government and, and honor governmental authorities, not for their sake, and I think this is what's important in verse thirteen: be subject for the Lord's sake to every human institution. So, I think that's a huge deal when we, when we we grapple with stuff like this, and you know, our volition and cognition is at kind of this impasse where it's like, Ugh, like we got you know, depending on what the circumstances are, and that can change, you know, over the years. Um, but we're honoring governmental authorities for God's sake. We honor them because God is in charge of who's in charge. And that's a coin phrase we throw around a lot in church. But God is in charge of who is in charge, good rulers and bad rulers. And and sometimes that's hard to come to grips with when it comes to, and you look through the course of history, there have been some really, I mean, bad 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 leaders evil evil people and to know that God's in control over them and to to grapple with his sovereignty his absolute sovereignty and he's raised rulers up for a limited season and given them leadership that they had you know even bad leaders and and we have to trust in God is he sovereign or not is he only is he only in control when good things happen or is he still in control when bad things happen and that's a whole other debate for uh, for another time period but we see you know even the worst stories like god is still in control he's still using those things no matter what they are as sovereign lord of the universe you know nothing comes comes to pass that he doesn't wield in such a way that brings him ultimate glory i don't know how that works out in every circumstance and there's some really hard ones I just know that it works out that God is sovereign, God is in control and even the worst history, you know, worst rulers throughout history that God will eventually right all wrongs and that all things in the end will will come uh, to glorify him in some way uh, in some way. So we have to trust that that um, you know, we're honoring the government, honoring the emperor, whatever it is. We're doing that for God's sakes because it it, it recognizes that he is sovereign. Even when it's hard to admit that, even when the circumstances are are just miserable, we just have to trust in God. So that's verse thirteen. We see this point continue in verse fourteen that you know we're we're to be subject, we're to honor the emperor and his governors. They're sent by him to punish those who do evil and to praise those who do good. So. And even as hard as this is, you know, some government, even bad government, is is better than complete anarchy because, you know, God has given his grace to all the world. You know, the sun shines and the rain falls and the crop feeds, even unbelievers. This is kind of what theologians refer to as common grace, common in the sense that all people, even unbelievers, are are benefiting from God's grace. That you know, even bad governments are still more than all of us deserve. Uh, we all deserve immediate hell and separation from the Father. And why He didn't do that, you know, in the Garden of Eden and let the world continue as it is, is because of His glory. And He's going to write human history in such a way that He gets glory from it. And so, uh, in the meantime. You know, he, he's given us all grace, even unbelievers in this whole world, that we have, you know, things in place. They're not perfect because we're living a fallen world, but the, the, these governments are in place to bring about his law and order. It says that verse 17, to punish those who do evil and to praise those who do good. So there's law and order. Yes, it's not perfect, uh, but uh, God is, is, again, he's sovereign over those things. And so, We've kind of hit this point quite a bit, and I think the reason we kind of explain this a lot when we come to verses like this, and there's like, hey, you know, let's go explain this, and I know this is hard to hear, and I think that's important because, you know, for us here in 2021, we've gone through 2020, and there's been, you know an election year, and people are angry at each other, and we have social media now, and Christians are like, yeah, but what about this? And what about this? And what about this? And like, like, there's just kind of anger. And I think, you know, when we see texts like this, the first thing that comes to, especially as Americans, the first thing that comes to our mind are, what about this? You know, so the exceptions. And I do want to say that if you go throughout the course of entire scripture, there are times when being subject and obeying, there is nuance for moral gray areas. There are ethical dilemmas. There are moral dilemmas. And I think, you know, that's the first thing that comes to our mind when we see texts like this, is we come up with the exceptions. And I think over the course of of the of Scripture, it's like, yeah, there are exceptions. You probably don't have one. We just don't. And, and I think that's hard to hear. I think this this really, really is profound, and it, it, this text comes to life we well, realize the historical context in which Peter's writing, and so um, just kind of go over that. I mean, Peter—he's obviously the author, and most scholars think he's writing this in you know somewhere around sixty-two to sixty-three A.D. By this point in time, this is thirty years or so after the crucifixion and resurrection of Jesus. There's been opposition and persecution from the Jews. The Romans are looking down on the Christians because they now they have different beliefs, and now the, you know the, their protections that they didn't—they can only worship. Yahweh alone are, are now taken away because the they there's just there's more distinctiveness between Judaism traditional Judaism and what is now Christianity. And so, you know, it, things are getting bad and it gets even worse in 64 AD. So Nero is emperor of Rome and he sets fire to parts of Rome and for whatever reason, he wants to blame the Christians. Many of you have heard this story before, and so he he thinks uh, he, he he's like, well, Christians are going to be the scapegoats because nobody liked them, and so he'll kind of throw them out to get hit by the bus. And so he uses Christians as the scapegoat, and he starts massacring them, and it's this horrible thing uh, in sixty four A D. And so Peter's literally writing a couple years before that happens, a year before it happens, or so, and he's like, hey honor the emperor. And that's so profound. And, And then in verse 15, we see, you know, for this is the will of God that by doing so you should put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. And I can think of no other better example of how profound it is to write something like this and then to die. Many people think Peter died under Nero's persecution, that he was crucified upside down, and to be to be crucified by an evil emperor, and for us to grapple with the applications and implications of this text. And so really verse 15 is where it's at, you know, even the worst leaders. As we honor them and submit to them, you know, God is showing off and the church will grow because of that. And it's like, what? How? I mean, he he crucified this. But I want to again, I want to read this quote to you guys. So this is Tacitus. He's a, a historian and was a governor in Rome about 50 years after this whole thing took place. And so he's writing. This is in his annals. So this is Tacitus writing And he's kind of this historian. So he says, quote, again, keep in mind, he is not a Christian. Okay. So he says, quote, Nero charged and tortured some of the people hated for their evil practices, the group popularly known as Christians. The founder of this sect, Christ, had been put to death by the governor of Judea, Pontius Pilate, when Tiberius was emperor. Their deadly superstition had been suppressed temporarily, but was beginning to spring up again. Now, not just in Judea, but even in Rome itself, where all kinds of sordid and shameful activities are attracted and catch on. First, those who confessed to being Christians were arrested. Then, based on information obtained from them, hundreds were convicted, more for their antisocial beliefs than for fire raising. In their deaths, they were made a mockery. They were covered in the skins of wild animals, torn to death by dogs, crucified or set on fire, so that when darkness fell, they burned like torches in the night. Nero opened up his own gardens for this spectacle and also gave a show in the arena where he mixed with a crowd or stood dressed as a charioteer on a chariot. As a result, people began to feel sorry for the victims, although they were guilty of being Christians and deserved death. They realized that they were being massacred, not for the public good, but to satisfy one man's mania. And again, that's Tacitus writing 50 years after this this crazy persecution of Nero and uh, you know I've read a lot of historians that say, hey the, the persecution under Nero has been somewhat exaggerated, but nonetheless it took place and it would actually get even worse about 20 40 years from that point from uh, under different emperors. And so the point is like if you read that like he, he obviously doesn't like Christians, they deserve death but then at the end he said the, the people started feeling sorry for him because they realized that th- these Christians were being massacred not for the public good but to satisfy one man's mania and so even unbelievers are 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 witnessing you know the behavior of Christians and their uh, you know endurance under persecution and endurance and suffering they're seeing how how they behave and they're seeing obviously like wow this nero he's a bad dude and you know even they see him as a madman and and so this is an, an evangelism tool is how how we honor authority In even this worst-case scenario teaches us the far-reaching application and implication for our lives of how we honor. That doesn't mean we have to like. That doesn't mean we have to agree with. That doesn't mean we have to obey unequivocally in all circumstances. Like I said, that's probably a conversation for a different medium. But what it does mean is that our tone and how we respond and how we respect and honor our leaders, our president, our governors, whoever it is uh, that – Here's the worst-case example, and what Peter tells us is, hey, this is for for God's glory. It's going to do good to grow the church. And what's even amazing is if you look in church history and see right around this time, this is when the church is continuing to explode. And so uh, it's an evangelism tool that God uses, and God is going to continue to grow his church and that the the gates of hell, terrible leaders, will not prevail against it. Peter continues to close out. I'll I'll read this last verse again. Verse 17, Honor everyone. Love the brotherhood, your brothers and sisters. Fear God. Honor the emperor. Hope this helps you guys and and you enjoy reading scripture and thinking about it, maybe debating it a little bit. um, And hope you all have a great day. We'll see you guys tomorrow.